So many things where it's like it, it this is one of those movies brian that most of my notes are questions again good so i'm prepared to answer them i know because you are the bond connoisseur we started this whole show with license to kill one of the best bond films yeah it's such a gem you know like it is great uh-huh. front to back you know it's yeah. awesome and and now it's only filling. We're talking about what's widely perceived to be one of the worst Bond films. Die another day. I can't even say it's pretty bad. Like joking, like it. And I don't even feel like there's a script in this movie. I just feel like it's quip and one liner after one liner after one liner ad nauseum. Give me a headache type of thing. It's certainly it's certainly overstuffed. We'll 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 circle back to that. We're going to launch into this like you're flying off of a hovercraft onto a bell. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> before you get smashed in the face with a really bad Madonna song. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Post Credits Podcast. My name is Brian Shelf. That's Matt Pepler. He's, yeah. ha- he's having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I made it worse with this movie. Uh, but that's okay because we're here to talk about the good, the bad, and the mostly not great about this movie i I don't know if there's much good about this movie maybe like the opening 10 minutes (laughs) i don't know you would you would go that far with 10 minutes like that that's as and then from there on you're just like nah nah, mm, i'm i'm out yeah because that's about where the madonna song kicks in Uh uh-huh i love the opening right like the espionage and the action and the hovercrafts and the shooting and explosions everywhere. And then as soon as that bell hits and then Bond goes face first into some ice water, after that, it's like, what's happening? This song is really quite bad. Um, I just, I, I don't think there's any getting getting around that. I, I would put it down there as uh, one of the worst Bond themes. And I don't know if they were stuck with it for contractual obligations. I think we talked about this in one of our other shows. Maybe it was off stream. Also, real quick, I feel like I was tortured just as much as Bond was by listening to that goddamn Madonna song right at the beginning. To that point, and and I can't recall because we've had like 3,000 episodes between then and now, but... You know, I thought we had talked about different Bond songs and artists in that episode. Maybe not. Maybe it was off stream. But, you know, there's there's a history of they'll have several artists do a, a song. So, like, Man with the Golden Gun. Alice Cooper did a potential theme song yeah, for that. Yeah. Johnny Cash did a version of Thunderball. That was on spec. He just did that because he wanted to try out for it. It's not a bad song, but it wasn't right for the film. I don't know if just the gravity of, hey, let's get Madonna involved meant whatever she comes up with, you're you're stuck with. (laughs) Yeah, because that's what it feels like. David Arnold is a pretty good composer 
he was really successful in modernizing the Bond music in a way that I don't feel Eric Serra ever came close to on Goldeneye. Like there's there's a couple cool action pieces that he did for that movie, but by and large, the score is just kind of like, you know, electronic garbage, you know, wallpaper. I mean, that that's just how I feel when I'm listening to it. Not to trash Goldeneye, I like Goldeneye, but the music I feel really dates that movie. As of Tomorrow Never Dies, David Arnold comes in. He he had John Barry's blessing, who did every film up until License to Kill. That's when they got the guy who did the music for Die Hard to do it, because that was the hottest thing in action films. And he was retiring at the time. You know, so it it's understandable. They're you know, we got to find a way forward because we've only been doing this for 30 years. People are aging out of it, you know? Yeah. Understandable. I get it. But then you get to die another day. You got the theme song by Madonna. Typically the composer has some sort of input because they got to take that music and work it into the score. You can usually hear that, uh-huh. right? Because like Tomorrow Never Dies is a fantastic example of that. Because the the original song, and it must have been up to the 11th hour, they were using Katie Lang's Surrender as the theme song for that. And then at some okay. point, it's like, you know what? No, we're going to go with the Sheryl Crow version. Because you, you cannot hear Sheryl Crow's Tomorrow Never Dies in the score, but you can hear Surrender in there. So I bring this up because we have this record skipping on a CD after you put it in a microwave <laughs> techno nonsense that that Madonna came up with. And there there's like a theme line that's in there with with some strings. And I feel like that was David Arnold being like, oh, my God. Oh, no, the house is burning down. How do we hold this together? There is no theme. And then the rest of his music and the rest of it, it's really messy. And you get that like like skipping. Yep as like the action starting to happen and it, it really interrupts what is otherwise just like some pretty good, you know, David Arnold, James Bond music. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're trying to capture like, like the techno music that used to happen all the time in action movies, just because it's techno and it's faster paced and here's action that it has to go hand in hand. And, mm-hmm. Oh, it was, it was awful at times. And more times than not, I felt like it was like what a child would think uh, would be a good music track for some fucking action, you know, for some fucking action, not a James <laughs> Bond film, but for some <laughs> yeah. fucking action. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked a couple of times about mainline franchising, legitimizing your knockoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you know who directed this movie? No. I mean, I read it once doing research, but I don't remember it now. So I don't know. You, you saw it during the opening credits, but you were too busy rolling your eyes. <laughs> yeah. At the theme Yeah, song. I mean, I rolled my eyes so hard that I think I had to have like some sort of surgery to get them back in front of my <laughs> face again. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, there yeah. they are. They just pop right back. <laughs> uh, the director was Lee Tamahari. And you know what else he directed? I have no idea. Triple X with Vin Diesel. Oh, my God. A masterpiece. <laughs> a disaster piece. Of... <laughs> I, I, I think that pause that you just had 
was you trying to figure out if I was serious or not? No. Those are shit uh-uh. shows. No. <laughs> Those are awful. Yeah. Um I I've only seen the first one. And I fucking hated that movie. Now I'm I'm a James Bond freak in case you can't tell just from the the fact that I got nerd all over the music compared <laughs> like eight movies, you know, in in three sentences. I hated that movie. It it was the whole like the old spy's dead. Here's the new spy. And it's the thing that I hate most in terms of a characteristic of these kind of knockoff franchises, because they try so hard to debase the thing that they're ripping off that they wouldn't exist without that. You can, you can hear the gears grinding because they're so desperate to be part of the big boys club. Right. And in the first couple minutes of that movie you have like their version of a pre-credit sequence so you got like a spy running through this like skinhead metal club somewhere in europe wearing a tuxedo uh, of course they find him murder him and then you know he's getting like crowd surfed over the 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 corpses get crowd surfed over the back where it's like fuck the old spy cut to vin diesel jumping off a cliff dude wild shit you know <laughs> extreme yeah yeah right you know and there you go because that's like the early 2000s like everything was extreme like biking snowboarding whatever so yeah for whatever reason they chose that guy to direct die another day the i believe it coincided it was the 20th bond film i believe it coincided with the 40th anniversary of the series this one this one yeah yes yes it did okay 20th James Bond movie, 40th anniversary, which means next year we're celebrating the 60th anniversary of Bond. And because of COVID, we're probably not going to have a Bond movie. Oh, you um, shut your mouth. <laughs> we're going to, I'm going to see No Time to Die in fucking theaters. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying I will too, but like that's coming out this year. Uh-huh. 2022 is the 60th anniversary of Bond. Oh, okay. We probably won't have a Bond movie no. next year. Yeah, no. sad face. Yeah, no, it's it's too too soon because they haven't even rolled this one out. Maybe had it launched in 2020 like 19? it was supposed to. Or, yeah, 2020, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we might have. I don't know. Probably not, though. They've well, been taking because, it at least three years between movies. Yeah, we're, we're getting a little off base here, though. Hey, let's go right to the beginning, because I want to ask your opinion on this. Right. Mm-hmm. The very beginning. OK. The opening is different. The uh, gun barrel is different. And that the bullet flies at you it's, this time around. That's the first time. Yeah. Let's, what, let's what are your use thoughts that on CG. It? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? I thought it was dumb as hell that that would happen you know but i'm not a bond fan fan i mean i am and i yeah. like the movies but like you're a fan as much as i am a fan of alien aliens you know yeah you know i i like my big franchise movies i like my nightmare on elm street i like my james bond you know th- there's a couple other like big franchise movies and it's like comfort food for me like i can just watch them all because there's a million of them you put it on it's a safe choice and it's like you know you, you can just unplug and have fun my favorite things of those big movies those big franchise movies are usually made up of little things over the course of all of it so you know i can't pick a favorite and that that's kind of why i feel like it also finds a way to keep itself relevant i thought it was an interesting choice to try and switch it up a bit 
However, you got the sound of the bullet, and that should travel faster than sound, which it doesn't because then it's super slow mm-hmm. <laughs> coming through the, the camera there. So, you know, at least they tried to be a little clever with it after 20 films. Does it work? Probably not. I think it a, a cool version of that or a cool play on that, they didn't do the CG with it, but like with, with the opening of Spectre, walks out, bang, gun barrel. I thought it was really neat how the lights on Bond dimmed as the gun barrel faded down. That They've never done that before. And I thought that was cool because it's like, oh, that's that guy dying. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's supposed to be a point of view shot, you know? It's like, oh, right. the, the light's fading out. And then, you know, so uh, there are ways you can play with it. And uh, I, I give him credit for that. Did it work in practice? Eh. <laughs> no. You're, your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> right. I uh I didn't even know that was uh that was there. Uh because you know it's been about 20 years since I seen it, and I was like, huh, that's what I <laughs> like the bullet flies at you, and I'm just like this is what we're in for. It's kind of uh foreshadowing the rest of the movie because I thought that was dumb and the movie uh kept its promise. So well, I, you know, in, in the spirit of fairness here, I, <laughs> I think the dodgy CG kind of is the foreshadowing of what was <laughs> coming a little later on. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, there's stuff that comes later. There's a lot of Bond things that don't seem very Bond-esque in this movie. And one of them is the surfing, which were announced, like you have an announcement that this is going to recur later right in the beginning of the movie, because he has like the seal team or seal surf team coming in, you know, surf team six. Yeah. Surf team six (laughs) coming into, coming in to do their espionage, Uh you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know. That just doesn't seem bond at all to fucking surf in to some fucking. And Aren't they in North Korea? Mm-hmm. Where's their surf in North Korea? Maybe my geography is awful. But is there any ocean touching North Korea? Uh, I don't know what runs through on the Japanese side. I don't know. Because that's the channel that people usually swim across when they managed to escape the demilitarized zone. And I, you know, ah. now that we've managed to make shit get real <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a very special episode of Post Credits Podcast, it is absolutely heartbreaking that people escape from North Korea and there's a show that, like, they'll go on television in, I believe it's Japan, because their broadcast signal reaches back and they can't block it out because it's RF waves. You know, they can shut down the uh-huh. internet and all their other bullshit to put blinders on on their citizens. But they're told that, like, the world ends. You will die if you leave. You know, family members disappear. They think, oh, they just disappeared because they died in the demilitarized zone. No, they escaped. I want to say it's Japan. It might be China. Forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. But but then there's a show that, that they go on like a public access thing. And like, look, mom and dad, 
I lived. There's a world outside of here. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that gives people just like infinite hope. And, and, you know, hopefully within our lifetime, that uh, terrible regime will be toppled. But I digress. So I think Uh, it's somewhere. Side note real quick, though. What's really cool is that South Korea um, takes balloons, just helium balloons with um, USBs tied to them, and they float them across the demilitarized zone to let people in North Korea realize what the rest of the world is like. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just videos of stuff because there is propaganda. Here it's like, oh, no, this is what's happening. Like, because North Koreans think, like, we survive on water. Like we're so America's so poor that the only sustenance we have is water and we're all dying. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't know any better, you know, because it's so constricted. So really fascinating. It it is. Yeah. And to tie that back to James Bond, one of the most popular movies that they send over there is Skyfall. Really? Yeah. (laughs) They fucking love, I mean, Skyfall is goddamn incredible. Well, it's, it's one of the best Bond movies ever. Absolutely. You know, but, but then to send that back over there is like, you know, it's kind of that whole idea of like you put your culture in a capsule and you fucking shoot it into space. So aliens mm-hmm. know like this is what Earth is like. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's that's Skyfall. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. Um, hopefully, like I said, within our lifetime, we'll see a real change. I, I just feel like. It has to something has to give you know just the way that information is so easily obtainable it's the you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube no matter how much they try and um, right right here here's hoping so back to die another day the surfing i feel was like very much a byproduct of what you had brought up earlier with uh lee tamahari's you know extreme sports kind of (laughs) influence of this is how we would get over it. Yeah. Maybe it makes sense tactically, but not for James Bond. Yeah. I I would agree with that. You know? Uh, Yeah. It's just to me, like to open up bond with all the, like the couple other openings you had, like Pierce's first introduction in gold. And I was like really cool. And then like, I don't know, surfing in, I don't know. I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. But, like, then the rest of it, it's, like, for, like, the nine minutes afterwards, you kind of forget how dumb that was, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, like, oh, this is some really cool shit. You got, yes. like, d- diamond face, like, you know, getting all the diamonds stuck in his face, which afterwards kind of seems like, couldn't you just, like, rub them off? Well, like, you know, you uh, know? <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna go one step further. The explosion happens behind his head, and then he gets diamonds in his face. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, there's some weird editing in there, like where they're they're having the hovercraft fight, which is which is pretty good and cool, especially with the idea like they're just kind of cruising over demilitarized zone and he's like shooting the landmines, which that Mac ten would have run out of ammo a long time ago. Whatever. But you know, <laughs> then it's he's shooting him like like uh, General Moon shooting at him straight point blank with a, a flamethrower and he jumps sideways, but then the next shot he's just like flying you know, 90 degrees backwards. So there, there's some weird, really questionable editing going on there. Yeah, there is because there's in that same sequence, there's also this one of the hovercraft like slides into a building. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, but then the building explodes and not the hovercraft. And I'm like, wouldn't it be the other way around? (laughs) Like would the hovercraft explode 
by hitting the building, not the building explode by the hovercraft hitting it. Cause it's just like a gunner building. It's not, you know, gas powered. There's not a jacuzzi full of gasoline on the inside, you know, but I, I don't know customs in Korea. <laughs> Maybe all those scorpions were like secretly filled with gasoline in their <laughs> torture warehouse that they uh, had in yeah. there. Yeah. I will give them credit, though, just in the sense that the music video, I think, is the only time in the whole series they ever used that as part of the narrative and not just eye candy. I would agree. You know, of the Bond movies I've seen, it doesn't, it seems like it's just. Um, cool imagery with a, a song that relates to the movie mm -hmm. right where there's not storytelling involved in that sequel in those sequences like the bond opening sequences whatever but yeah this one did well i mean there there is storytelling it's just usually not part of the greater narrative and and i make that distinction because it, it's typically like you said it's a song that pertains to the film it's kind of there to hold the mood and i i think it's there to kind of like bring the tone down because you have this like explosive action sequence and it's like oh okay calm down calm down calm down okay you know now we're getting into this here's the briefing scene and now we start climbing the mountain again whereas with this one they just kind of weave it in and amp up uh the idea of the torture and I, I think there's some interesting imagery there you you could certainly play on that and iterate on that because I, I do think it's one of the more interesting ideas that, that Lee Tamahari brings to the table, even though I pretty thoroughly <laughs> shat all over him as a director because of triple X, um, you know, th there's some promise in here. I like about the first half of the movie. I, I think it's pretty classic bond. And then when they introduce the ice palace, it's not because I think the ice palace is stupid. Cause I really like it from a production standpoint the production design is really good throughout most of this. It's kind of the glue that holds everything together. It's just that that's kind of where the plot starts going yeah, off the rails, like really more hard sci-fi. And it's yep. just like, yeah, uh, I don't know. For me, it went off the rails when Diamond Face got captured. Zhao. How? 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 Because he got blown up in the face or back of the head uh -huh. by diamonds, right? You know, but then they trade him for Bond. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of time has passed, so he could have left and, you know, gone and done something stupid, not, knocked off a liquor store in South Korea. And <laughs> they picked him up there. Hey, that's Diamond Face. That's Diamond yeah. Face over there. Yeah. Go get him. <laughs> I think that's when it went off the rails because that was the question I had this this watch was like, huh, how how did he get captured? Did because you kind of think like yeah, a long time has passed because James Bond has long hair and you know has the beard, you know. I guess in my time because I can't grow hair at all, at all. <laughs> like I mean, like I don't have facial hair, so I, I would assume from my point of view that would be like ten years to get that hair growth, but it's probably only like a year, you know. Uh huh. Uh, so, but like, I don't know. I just, I just didn't like that. Like, there's no reason why he got captured. He just was captured and then they traded him for Bond. And suddenly Tom Sizemore's there. Like, this is the guy you wanted? <laughs> Shut Tom, the fuck up. Tom, Tom you mean Michael Madsen? Oh, no. Not, yeah, I get them confused sometimes. 
I thought Tom, yeah, Michael Madsen. So, well, it's sort of fitting in retrospect because his career has gone, you know. Yeah. If he's not in a Quentin Tarantino film, he's kind of really not in anything. I think the last thing I saw him in was like one of those god awful sci fi channel movies, like Terraconda, or it's like a Mad Lib <laughs> with like, you know. Pick yeah. a pick an, an action verb and an animal and then smash it together. And that's your movie, which is too bad. I, I like him. And but that helps to me, like when I watch this, make it just feel cheap now, because like his he's just feels like yeah. so cheap. Just the roles <laughs> that he's in. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other part where it turned the corner was the introduction of Jinx. You know, mm-hmm. just like coming mm-hmm. out of the water. Giacente Jones. Yeah. Um, hey, you thought this was bad. Just be thankful we didn't get that spinoff that she was supposed to get. What? You know, they wanted to do that with. Um, oh, what's her name? The um, the cool, the ass kicking action star. What's her name from Tomorrow Never Dies? Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. They wanted to do a spinoff with her. And Halle Berry. Like, I think they could have done it with her, oh, okay. not Halle Berry, for sure. Like, I think she could have held up action movies like nobody's business because she was really into doing her own stunts. She's a legit badass. Yeah, she is a badass. And, like, the only reason why she couldn't do all of her stunts, which she wanted to do in Tomorrow Never Dies, was because of insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like she's way before Tom Cruise's time. Like doing well, all of his own stunts. You well, know? I mean that, that's a little unfair, only in the sense that the the cultures are different because she comes from that Hong Kong action scene where they don't believe in stunt doubles. Like if you're in the movie, right. you're, you're doing your fucking stunts. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a, a little bit unfair, but I just feel like with someone like that, that that's confident and wants to show themselves that much in the action that they're doing. Like, I think that would have been awesome to see, like, yeah. that type of mentality on the big screen with, like, Hollywood money behind it, you mm-hmm. know? So. Oh, yeah, no, you could have had, like, an Enter the Dragon situation there. Yeah, yeah. Where, where it's like, let's take that Hong Kong style and just Hollywood it up through the fucking roof. Now, yeah, I, that that would have actually been a cool, like, buddy movie, um, the two of them. I, I don't know if that was the intention or if they wanted to do one, didn't do it. And they're like, well, okay, we'll do that. With We'll set up a new female action lead. I like Holly Berry's an actress. I just really don't like her in this. Like, I think she's, like, really too cheeky and quippy. I agree. And uh, when I first saw this movie, I thought, like, her quippiness and one-liners were what made me not like this movie. Mm-hmm. But after, on this recent watch, I'm like, oh, no, they're all bad. Like, they're all annoying. <laughs> uh, every one of them. <laughs> every last person in this movie is annoying and i feel bad saying that because i love pierce brosnan as bond and it's just it sucks so much that this is his last outing in a movie as james bond you know i really think they just didn't know what to do with the character and i think that's the thing that's really held the daniel craig series above the rest is that they they found a tone that was successful and just maintained it now mm-hmm. i missed the gadgets to a bit 
Um, cause like we've said before, like the Pierce driving the car and tomorrow never dies. I mean, that felt like such science fiction at the time, but like I, I'm flying a drone with my cell phone, which in a lot of ways is more complicated and like you're using similar gestures to drive it and things like that. And it's just, that's amazing to me. We're like, what an age we live in, you know? <laughs> right. I kind of miss that aspect of it because you've got a little bit more of the thuggery, even though it makes sense in the real world context of those movies. Um, But uh, I just think they never really knew what to do with Brosnan. So they were kind of striking out in every direction. And like there's more serious aspects like the fact that he gets captured and tortured and it kind of doesn't work with with his bond because he's much more of like the romantic spy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a shame because it, it, it's it's through no fault of his own so much as the movies kind of fail his talents. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Like, it's a shame. Uh, but I mean, I guess like, you know, Daniel Craig's killing it. I I. I, I worry about the future of Bond with the new one being his last one. I hope that they can carry it over and continue to make interesting movies and just like jaw dropping like because with this one in particular compared to other Bond movies is that there's this shock value of the stunts that they're doing because it's almost incomprehensible because of the scale. Right. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing that I go back to Mission Impossible movies now is because it's like, he, how did he not die? That's my, like, my question. How did no one get hurt in this? Right. You know, and you see these spectacles and that's what you want. But that, this movie didn't deliver that. So it kind of is a little stale, you know. Well, the, the CG sort of cheapens that effect because your brain just knows it's not real. Yeah. Even though there are some you know, really cool ideas and action scenes, the CG just inevitably cheapens it. Now, yeah. back to your question about how did no one get hurt. It's not that nobody ever... I, I mean, on this movie, I don't I don't think anyone got hurt. I think... Uh, um, both did. Pierce Brosnan got like a, a speck in his eye. No, that was Halle Berry. Okay. And then um, Pierce injured his knee in one of the fight sequences. Okay. Well, there was a cameraman by the name of John Jordan. You've seen You Only Live Twice, haven't you? That's the one in Japan. Sean Connery. I think so. There's there's a sequence where he flies like a little helicopter and they're flying around and the, the little helicopter is just blowing the shit, just wreaking havoc out of like this whole fleet of helicopters coming at him. Does that ring a bell? All right. No? Yeah, okay. it does. It does. So there was a camera guy by the name of John Jordan. His foot was severed during that sequence Fuck. because they were hanging him from some of the aerial photography. They were, you know, hanging a guy off a helicopter, swinging him around, you know, to get those shots. His foot was severed making that sequence. So there have been some serious accidents on these films. To their credit, though, and I'll tie it all back to Die Another Day, he worked. That was the fifth James Bond film. He worked on every James Bond film as a cameraman, at least through Die Another Day. And that's movie 20. 
Yeah. 30 years later, you know. So good for them. Um, prosthetic foot notwithstanding, you know, they at least uh, kept the guy employed. And um, I, I think that's just really cool and really commendable. That is really cool. Like, I, I don't like, yeah, I mean, I just want to like reiterate, I don't think like people didn't get injured. But at the same time, the spectacle's so great where the danger is that much higher. It's surprising that people didn't get hurt as or more often, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with what they were doing. Because there's other movies that have horror stories to them, you know, where it's like Triple they, X. They, Someone died. Yep. Someone yep. actually died uh, making that. Slammed into a bridge. Yep. Stunt doubling Vin the, Diesel. One of the Resident Evil movies, there was a motorcycle stunt and the stunt woman hit the camera rig. Like there was something, there was some sort of safety precaution that was that the corners were cut because of the cut corners. Safety wasn't really paramount. And so she's uh, suffered severe injuries and they had to amputate like one of her arms, you know? Yeah. Uh, no one should have to lose their life for a movie. Like no stunt is important. No movies that important. But here's the thing with the bond movies. I feel like, because the spectacles are so high, like the safety is that much higher, right? Like mm -hmm. they're so much more serious than some of these other action movies, you know, uh, yeah. with like, we're going to make this, you can't make everything a hundred percent safe, but they seem to make things as safe as possible. And you got to commend them for that. Well, and that's why it costs $400 million to produce <laughs> one of these nowadays. And, um, you know, that's, that's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What did what you, do you think, think about? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you about what do you th what are your thoughts on the DNA replacement therapy? <sighs> to, to go back to tomorrow never dies, and and to to use this as just an illustration of how we go from something that's fairly credible science fiction with the car that drive itself, because that was based on emerging technologies, you mm -hmm. know. The invisible car is based on emerging technologies, but it's so goofy where you're just like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. The DNA therapy, I don't know where they got that from. I, I think it's sort of a weird science fiction justification for the little bit that is known about the upbringing of Kim Jong-un because he was flown around the world the CIA had ideas on who this guy was, but like, you know, they couldn't quite confirm that or prove it where like the Western education, the secret identity, things like that. I think all of that is sort of kind of like a let's science fiction that up to like a bond level, but it's taken to such absurdity where it's, you know, now it's like, like face, like Nick Cage face off, you know, bullshit. Uh -huh. You know, it's just, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't have any degrees in science. So like, I, I, I guess I don't know what would happen if you replace someone's DNA with somebody else's DNA. Well, well it's hot swappable. I mean, you saw Predator 2018. Like that's, that's right. That's <laughs> right. It is hot swappable. And I mean, like, I guess all you need is like a teleporter to do it. And you can yeah. do it with like an insect and, and yourself. And, Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the, the DNA replacement thing 
just didn't line up because I feel like what's really odd is that face off is more believable than just the DNA replacement therapy. Yeah. You know, in comparison, I don't think any of them work well, but in comparison, I'm like, yeah, logically face off makes more sense. <laughs> right. And all they did is take his face off. Yeah. Face off. Face off. Face off. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Just imagine what Queen Elizabeth thought, because she was at the premiere of this. Like, she's old now, and, and she was old back then. So, like, her yeah. mind must have been doing backflips at all the insanity in this. Yeah. Uh, do you think she would have thought it was preposterous that Gustav Graves becomes a knight? Like, that's why he did a parachute jive, or dive into fucking London, to London Calling by uh-huh. the fucking Clash. And then opens his parachute and it's the fucking Union Jack. And then he lands and some reporter's like, here's a microphone in your face. What do you think about becoming a knight? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, uh, who is this guy? And then, you know. Let's just start falling all over him. <laughs> right. So the Union Jack thing was a callback to the spy who loved me. Okay. And being that this was supposed to be 20th film 40 year celebration there's a lot of really deep cut maybe not even deep cut but just callbacks to various bond films right so like when miranda frost has brosnan dead to rights and she's like it really is death for breakfast you know like that forced line that's a chapter title from on her majesty's secret service okay all right. I mean, I guess it makes sense now, like that you're saying that because they like when Q like finally comes into the movie, they take him through like all the old gadgets, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Here's your twentieth watch, you know, type thing. So they're always doing these like throwbacks to be like, it's the twentieth movie, you know. Yeah. There's Rosa Club shoe. Mm-hmm. Guess I got the point. There's yeah. the jetpack from Thunderball. Yeah. Why does he smell the shoe? Like, we all know what old shoes smell like. They don't smell very good, right? So why smell someone else's old shoe? And then being like, why does it smell like? Because he, like, grimaces. And it's like, Bond, I know you're a smart guy. You must know that feet don't smell good. Like, why are you smelling a shoe to make sure it smells bad? Does, serious question, does does Uh odor die off? Do you know that? I don't know. Because back like, bacteria can only live about 18 hours on plastic. Okay. So I would have to think that like 30 years later, that shoe would probably just <laughs> be okay. Unless it's just rotting rubber, but I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like you said, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. <laughs> uh, we have no smarts here. All right. Um, I thought of something. Uh, going back to Madonna, we're kind of skipping around at this point, but with the way she smirks at the camera when it's like, here's my cameo, mm-hmm. and like, here's this also, you know, theater sized eyeball winking at you, you know, right, right. with this dumbass smirk that she's got in her face. Like, isn't it cool that I'm in a Bond movie? I'm dating Guy yeah. Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. And suddenly I have a British accent. 
for whatever reason. Fuck her. Fuck Madonna. But anyways, it reminded me there was one other smirk like this that I've seen in, in, in movies, and it was Hayden Christensen in fucking Return of the Jedi when he's just standing there as a fucking ghost. He looks, he's looking down, then he looks at the camera. See me? See me? I'm smirking, and then he looks down again. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like uh God damn it. I'm in this movie and there's nothing you can do about it kind of smile. Yes. <laughs> there's nothing I'm defenseless. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just happening to me. Uh-huh. Oh. Fuck that fucking fencing. But that was a pretty you, you cool didn't, sword fight. Yeah, okay, I was going to say like the sword fight was cool. Just like the fact that her cameo is just like you're grinding your teeth the whole time. Yeah, exactly. But then you got the fight sequence that just like, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> you know? well, and, and see, there's an example of the music actually being pretty good because it keeps winding up and winding up and winding up and like the tempo just gets faster and faster and faster. Yeah, see, that's that's a really cool scene. And, you know, an example, another example of the music actually being pretty good. But I, I think that's, you know, maybe before the theme song reared its ugly head and they had to... <laughs> <laughs> right just try and incorporate right. techno and everything somehow to unify everything uh-huh okay i can understand why gustav or gustav or whatever gustav yeah would want to annihilate bond in that scene right because he was the guy who got killed you mm-hmm. know the 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 villain yeah. right it's colonel moon i completely understand his motivation we're like let's sword fight for real you know, but then why does like Bond keep upping the ante when he's just trying to figure out like who this guy is? I don't understand that juxtaposition because he doesn't know who this Bond doesn't know who this villain is yet. Kinda like he knows him by the name he goes by now, but he does not know that he was the North Korean guy, you know, mm-hmm. but the reverse is like, oh, this guy tried to kill me. Let me kill him now. You know, let's get revenge now. So what's Bond's motivation? That's what I th- didn't understand. That was after the shootout in Cuba with Sal. Right, but does he, but does Bond know at that time that that's Zhao and that, you know, obviously they're connected, but does he know at that time that, like, he's connected to Gustav? See, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's a little muddy there. I don't. I I like the fight sequence. The sword fight was like really cool because they end up just going nuts. Like it starts in like the fencing place, then it's like they're outside of it. They're running upstairs, running downstairs. Now they're in the fucking garden. And all these people are like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, I love it that this old guy in one of the scenes, he's like reading a fucking newspaper. Right, he's chilling out, and Bond swipes upward. And like slices the newspaper in half. I'm like, man, that blade, IRL, if that actually happened, that blade probably sliced his nose off. <laughs> like, just like, no nose. Got you your know. nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that was like that, that sequence and the opening sequence before the Madonna song, I think were great. But then the rest of it, yeah, we we can move on. Uh, the there's Epcot. there's nothing else you liked in the whole movie. No, because we get to we get after this sequence, 
And then it turns into this like Roger Moore style Bond movie cranked up to like 11. And it's just like, this is ridiculous. Like I like Bond when it's him against the world, right? Where it's like, he's the only person that can stop the madness, right? And he's also psychotic at the same time. That's when I think Bond is like perfect. I hate it when he has a sidekick. I always don't like it. So as soon as like that scene's over, now it's like he's teaming up with Jinx for the rest of the movie and it just kind of brings it down. And, you know, I just don't, I like it a lot less. Well, I'm glad you brought up the late Sir Roger Moore because I have a quote from him right here. And of course he played Bond in the earlier films. He said, and I quote, I thought it just went too far. And that's from me, the first Bond in space. (laughs) Bravo, Roger Moore. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's accurate. I think it did go way too far. Like the, the, also the, the, uh, the amount of quips being like thrown out after this is just incredible. I mean, it's like, you got the fencing one where it's like, I always managed to keep my tip up. And then after that, like once they get to the, I don't um, like cockfights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then once they get to like the, uh, ice, ice palace, ice mm-hmm. base, whatever. Uh, it's just like every interaction that any one of the characters has is not necessarily dialogue, but it's just a setup to have another one-liner, another quip. And there was like three back-to-back-to-back between Bond, Jinx, and Frost right in the Ice Palace after like everyone's finally there. And I'm just like, that's when I rolled my eyes really hard again. And then it's just like, there's so many more. Why do you think that they did that? Because that's not a director thing. Is it? That's like in the script. They're just like saying the lines. Like, why do you have to have so many quips and one-liners in this? Yeah, you know? I, I think it's just an example of it being polished to death and being overthought. How can we squeeze one more moment into this and just having no regard for the overall pacing of of what this thing is supposed to be? That's also a director thing. You know, okay. sometimes those moments just happen. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're like, yeah, we like that quality. Let's needle that. And it turns out to be the wrong thing in, in terms of tone, of overall tone. And sometimes the actors come to you with that and you just don't know when to say no. So th- okay. there, there's a lot of answers to that question and none of them are satisfactory <laughs> or what you're asking. Um, I, I just think it was a lot of things, a lot of trying too hard. Yeah. And and it, it really kind of shows. But I, I do like the production design. I think I think it's the glue that kind of holds the whole thing together. I like the Ice Palace conceptually. That is based on a real thing that, you know, is like a pop-up thing in Iceland or whatever that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the supercar fight was cool. <laughs> that was yeah, cool. Yeah, I like that. Like the back and forth between like the spy cars. Mm-hmm. That was cool. When, I he's, like that. when he's upside down and like uses the ejector seat to flip over. That's fucking uh-huh. cool. That's really cool. And I like how there's um oh, I don't even know what they call like anti like weapons, right? I I don't know what they're called. 
there's a word for them but like chaff yeah yeah like uh he shoots missiles at bond and bond's like nope and like throws them up so they explode in the air mm-hmm. you know instead of exploding on his car i thought that was really cool right i like that back and forth that like one-upmanship between like oh yeah i'm gonna you're gonna do that well i'm gonna do this oh yeah <laughs> well i'm gonna do that <laughs> so. i th- i think the um they picked a ford for that because of the connection to once again you only live twice because there was a, a pretty famous ford car it was in that movie. Now the product placement was really bad in this movie to the point that not only the BBC, but time magazine and a couple other reputable journals at the time, even called them out on it. And the movie kind of got the nickname by another day. <laughs> do you, do you happen to know what, how much money this movie got from its, uh, advertisements within the movie. Tell me, it's estimated between seventy to a hundred million dollars worth of wow. product placements. Wow, that's incredible. That's like a budget for a pretty good movie, <laughs> you know, by like, itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Greenland, you know that movie with Jerry Butler that came out. It's like another disaster movie. Not disaster piece movie, but it's a movie about disasters, uh-huh. natural disasters. That was made for forty million. <laughs> you know, like so. Just think about like that type of money back nineteen years ago. That's yeah. a lot of money for product placement. Could have done so. some of those stunts for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have. Some of it. You could have looked- made the technology to clone Pierce Brosnan and actually have him die, but be replaced by Pierce Brosnan. So some of it looked okay. Like the laser stuff looked pretty good. Like the trees burning up when Icarus was flying around looked pretty good. But man, that glacial surfing, like, mm. (laughs) wow. That's uh, like what? Okay. The, the panel that he uses as a surfboard actually has bindings on it so that Pierce Brosnan has put his feet into it. Like, oh, what the hell? Like, that's just so stupid. So, I, I don't know. That was like, I don't know, one of the more dumb things I've seen in an action movie. And it's another one of those things where it's like, the technology to make CGI just wasn't there. So it's so fake looking that it just feels like it's like some sort of tv movie you know not not this like crazy blockbuster yeah and that is the first time they ever used a digital stunt double for james bond and i i can see the argument there where it's like you know we're trying to bring these movies into the new millennium and it just wasn't wasn't the right call because as money penny says in skyfall sometimes the old ways are the best yeah that's that that's very true. Do, do you like the justification for making the the giant space late or space mirror Icarus in that um certain parts of the world will now receive sunlight um well, because that, of this that's, giant mirror. That's all bullshit. He just wanted to do it to laser beam across the demilitarized zone to clear that out to give oh, their 100%. army a path. 100% is bullshit. 
but the earth rotates there's only like two spots on the whole world where there's not sunlight you know and it's only for like a certain amount of time uh-huh. so i just thought like as that's the reason to make this thing to tell everyone like that's yeah bullshit. well you know what though like this let's say that gps has been perfected in 2002 and you could make this travel backwards at nighttime to keep your crops growing. I, I don't know if that would burn the crops out because I, I think they need a certain amount of time <laughs> right, to assimilate water and things like that. Um, if they're just baking under the sun constantly, that might, yeah, it might be counterproductive. I don't know. Again, I'm not a scientist. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know farming science on just, this podcast. Just ask the scientist. Uh, he'll tell you that. Uh... <laughs> One moment that made me laugh really hard was after the car chase sequence and like Bond is going to save Jinx. And there's those two poor bastard snowmobilers like in the way of Bond. Mm-hmm. And I thought like in any normal thing, he just would have sh- the car would have shot them and they would have just keeled over. Instead, he just plows into them and he fucking launches the people like to the left and right of the car like that's awesome <laughs> you know is did did that happen because po- like he was parked at one point and then one of the guys like crashed into him and flew over the car that was before the chase because that was like what alerted Zhao to that bond was back was because yeah. the snowmobile snowmobiler hit the car but in that chase sequence like bond is trying to find where jinx is right in the place and so once he goes and like they're driving before they're driving around through like the um the levels right mm-hmm. there's like two lone snowmobilers the last stand for bond before he re-enters the palace they just get plowed into get launched that's awesome yeah i mean it, it's it's clear that they're just henchmen for the bad guys though because they're they're wearing mm-hmm. yellow Cause like he clotheslines the one and like, I feel like that guy would have been decapitated at the way. Like he just like flew forward over that thing. And then he steals a snowmobile and, and takes it back. But, uh, and then like, did you imagine that like, or did it surprise you that no one got hurt with the amount of goddamn lasers that were going off everywhere? Like when he's trying to save jinx one of the times, I don't know when now, because there's a few times where he saves her, saves her. There's one where she drowns, but then she's also tied up to this like thing where she's about to get yeah. lasered. Yeah, yeah, that that's when he's fighting Mister Kill. Mister Kill. Yeah, that was his name. In the in the credits, like, how did you find it out? Did they actually say that? I'm just pointing out that that's a horrible henchman name. Let Let me look this up. Hang on, I'm, I'm going to write this down. Uh. Maybe Mr. Kill was world is not enough, and I'm just confusing it. Yeah, no, that's him. Uh, head of security at the Ice Palace, Mr. Kill. Whatever. I don't I know, mean, man. I, I, you know, I've been crawling <laughs> over this for not only the last 20 years, but, you know, pretty much my... <laughs> How many times have most you watched of my this life. one? Die Another Day, it's one of my least watched ones in the whole series. I can't give you a number. 
Yeah, I, I just I can tell you it's one of my least watched of the whole series. I haven't seen this in probably four years. Okay. It's not 19 years because <laughs> you that's you saw it once and like done done so. But I, I've certainly watched it more than that. But uh, well, uh, the, me, the last time I watched it, I was like, oh, man, this is tough. I, I bought the whole series on Blu-ray when it came out. And I could finally get all of the collections at a reasonable price. That's one of the things that, that makes being a James Bond fan very difficult is because they, they'd re-release the series in a weird order or they'd group movies together that didn't have anything in common. And then this last time that they re-released it, they had it by, by volume, by actor. So you could get like... Roger Moore, Volume 1, Volume 2, Sean Connery, Volume 1, Volume 2, Pierce Brosnan, okay. So, got those, was going through them. Man, that Pierce Brosnan collection was rough. <laughs> because Goldeneye, pretty good. I like Tomorrow Never Dies more than most people. I think it deserves a second look. And It's I, my favorite Pierce Brosnan bond. I I think it ages like wine. You know, yeah. And at the time, you know, to go back to that, like, oh, you know, the car felt like science fiction. People were shitting on that movie where it's like, oh, th this is so far fetched. This could never happen. We're living in the era of made up bullshit. <laughs> and it's like it uh -huh. feels like a documentary. It's just it's it's wild. It's yeah. fucking wild how ahead of that time that movie was. But then World is Not Enough is you had a couple good ideas and Denise Richards is terrible and they waste the villain and that, and, um, you know, kind of the same thing here where it's like, you got a good actress as the sidekick and she's not that great. And I don't know. Yep. It's, it's like there was a million ideas and just nobody said no to any of them. That's right. And, uh, you, you said like that it, you, because of this movie, you didn't know if you had grown out of bond. Or that you were too old to enjoy Bond? Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to that. Lifelong super fan of the James Bond franchise. Mm -hmm. In case I haven't proved that over the last 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, Die Another Day comes out, received generally positive reviews. It was the highest grossing film in the franchise until Casino Royale a couple years later. But at the time, yeah, favorably reviewed box office sensation. I remember this movie being everywhere like it was gigantic. Like, yeah, I just want to bring that up because I feel like I feel like for me as kind of an outsider, Bond has always been around. But it feels like Die Another Day was just so in your face, like the marketing was just like, here it is. Here it is. Go watch it. Go watch. It. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it was incredible, you know at the time people in my film class were, were like you know i i think it's the best bond like this is really good and i'm just sitting there like shaking my head disapprovingly i didn't hate it and you know mm -hmm. clearly as this discussion has revealed i there's there's positive qualities to mine out of the movie i do think it's the worst brosnan movie i think it's one of the worst james bond films i i would put this Mm, right around man with the golden gun it for the listeners out there that's that speaks volumes because it's like 
for as long as I've known Brian, or as long as I've known you, you've always brought up that man with the golden gun is like, you, you're like, because I asked you like, hey, what Bond movie should I watch? Because I wa- I had only seen Pierce Brosnan forward. I'd never seen any of the other movies. I'm like, hey, which one should I watch? And you're like, from Russia with Love and a couple of other ones. Mm-hmm. Skip Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> always. You've yeah. always just liked that movie. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, there there's some positive qualities there with uh, Christopher Lee is a fantastic villain. The prop is absolutely iconic. I I built my own version of it. Like his one of my nerd yeah. projects, and it's pretty fucking good if I do say so myself. It's not you know made out of gold, but you got a great prop. You got a, a really cool premise, like world's greatest secret agent versus world's greatest assassin. You know, but there's some things where they just felt gross. Like even as a kid watching those, where. You know, he, he's just uh, smacking Maude Adams around. And that always felt wrong because Roger Moore was the most gentlemanly of all the Bonds. Like, like it's just totally out of character. It was really racist with their portrayal of Asians. I mean, like, there's no dancing around that. And then you bring in Sheriff J.W. Pepper, who's one of the worst fucking supporting characters ever to grace the series. Might have worked in Live and Let Die because of the whole 70s car chase smash-up thing. But then you bring him back. It's like, well, he tested well, so let's put him in Asia. Let's. Uh, it's just if if one of them deserves to be remade, I think you could have a really cool, like you know, Daniel Craig sort of remake of that. Like kind of like how they did like the greatest hits of, of a lot of the Connery area with Spectre. You know, yeah. If, if he was mm-hmm. going to do another one, which it's not going to happen, but you could do kind of like a greatest hits of the Roger Moore era and then like mine some cool things from that movie. But overall die another day. Let's, let's, let's take all of that vitriol and put that forward. And, and that's how I I felt about a lot of little things about die another day. And that was the movie that like, I was like, I, I don't know. Am I getting too old or too smart to enjoy James Bond films? No, Casino Royale comes out, and then it's like, oh, okay, they can do it right. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't me. It was the series. And I think that's that's why I've really come to cycle back on my appreciation for Brosnan's tenure, because I like him as an actor. I like his style. I like certain things about the tone, but even as we've said in this episode, where it's like he's he's good as the romantic spy, but like the darker elements of the series were like, James Bond failed, you know, he was captured. He was tortured. Yeah. They, they weren't able to do that well until they made a conscious choice to cast an actor who could play to those tones like they did with Daniel Craig because Bond tortured Casino Royale, James Bond failed Skyfall. You know, usually it's, yeah, they think he failed and then it's, he's really on to something and he's just not letting him in on it. Right, right. But but with Skyfall, it's like no, he got shot off a bridge because he didn't complete the mission. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, th- through no fault of his own, you know. I'm using failed in air quotes, which is always great for radio. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of surprising. Like, I would have just imagined that they would have taken more care with this being a milestone on two fronts. Right. It's the 20th anniversary or the 20th movie of Bond. 
40th anniversary of Bond, I just would have imagined that they would have taken more care to be like, okay, let's button this up. Let's, you know, let's get this right. And, and it being a known thing that Pierce Brosnan wasn't returning for more, that they would have been like, let's do something really special. You know? Well, there, there's a couple of things I want to unpack there. And the first is Michael G. Wilson has got one of the producers has gone on record several times saying that we always start off trying to produce from Russia with love. Somehow we, we always wind up making Thunderball, <laughs> which kind of sounds like a slight at Thunderball, but you know, it's like Thunderball was really like Goldfinger established the formula. Thunderball kind of perfected like the big movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So it's like they try to start off with like a, a more character driven movie and somehow they always just get to that point because people come into it and it's like, well, it's a James Bond film. We can do this. That, you know, we can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Blow up a whole building. Yeah, sure. What time are we going to be there? You know, um, the other thing. Yeah, you said you said it was a known thing that Pierce Brosnan wouldn't be coming back. That's not true. Oh, OK. He was he was fired just sort of unceremoniously um you know some time had passed and and whatever i i think they realized that the series couldn't continue in this direction and that in order to get a fresh start they needed to sort of jettison pierce brosnan even though it wasn't his fault they just needed to put a new face onto the series and and i even read something the other day of his recollection of getting a phone call, finding out like, like Barbara Bacoli was in tears on the phone. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. We just have to let you go. Wow. Well, that's unfortunate. And that was it. So, you know, uh, it was as, as much a surprise to him as anyone. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the Craig films. I'm kind of ready for them to be over though. He, he got to be, the bond that had like an arc. Yes. That's cool. I'm getting really tired though of like, I'm the bad guy who's been here this whole time that you're just hearing about now. <laughs> you know, that, that just always feels like such a cheap trick. Yeah. The guy but, behind the guy behind the guy. Yeah. The guy. So I'm, I'm ready to get back to kind of like a, an adventure of the week like like uh, this like star trek beyond you know it just felt like here's a new episode of the series and it's really big and it didn't mm -hmm. necessarily have anything to do with the other ones it's just like here's a really good story a one-off adventure kind of thing i would like to get back to that whether that's the route they're gonna go i don't know but uh i i think the fifth pierce brosnan film which was in development that you know hey <laughs> leak some of that what was that gonna be that'd be just as fascinating to know is, is what the third Timothy Dalton movie was going to be, which was in development. Yeah. But then, Hey, you know, <laughs> you know, after license to kill, I would have loved to see him have another outing or more as bond. Mm -hmm. That's like, for me, that is in the top five for bond movies. It's just, it's the predecessor to what Daniel Craig's, bond would become you know it was much more like in your face very gritty not less on the 
gadgets gadgets and goofiness that you know is accustomed to that you expect from a bond movie and well i mean that was really like a byproduct of the roger moore era yeah and, and then kind of came into that with more of the kind of like spy fi that they wound up taking the pierce brosnan films down yeah i mean it would be would be amazing you know what i uh i saw an interview with pierce brosnan recently and he expressed interest in coming back to into bond but as a villain i think that would be pretty cool yeah and and it's too bad they never got that fourth expendables film off the ground because he was supposed to be the bad guy in that and i i feel like that's the route they probably would have gone where it's like some yeah kind of like sean connery in the rock where like here's this old villain doing something and they break him out of jail and yeah buffoonery that would have been cool i enjoyed those movies quite a bit can we talk about uh, the ending real quick? It's not not too much, but you know the 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 goofiness. I think uh, you know finally like had a culmination with uh, Frost getting stabbed in with, the chest with, with the, the art of war. Yeah, and I'm like, I immediately thought of like Evil Dead Two, where it's like. Uh, what's the book? Um, say, fair or farewell to arms. Mm-hmm. After his hand gets chopped off, I'm like, that's all right, <laughs> you know. And then, then the awkwardness of the last like 30 seconds, right, where it's like money pennies using the virtual reality sunglasses to have sex with Bond. And then Bond's yeah. having sex with Halle Berry on a bed full of diamonds the most uncomfortable place to have love yeah i don't micro cuts galore from diamonds <laughs> on halle berry's back <laughs> yeah and not the muse album we're, we're talking about either <laughs> yeah i don't hate the the idea of the virtual reality like i i kind of hate the virtual reality thing but i don't hate it in the context of the 20th movie because you know i i think a lot of people over the course of the series with like their will you won't you kind of thing and they're flirting wanted to see something happen you know just like a kiss between the two of those characters i can get that aspect of it but then it's just all played off in the cheeky goofy you know throwaway thing and yeah and and then you get smashed in the face with with an even worse version of the theme song than the, you had in the opening credits the dirty Vegas mix is it's yeah, called. Yeah. I was like, I, I rented it on YouTube and I just hit the home button on my Roku device. <laughs> so I could just like clear the whole cache and just like it, not even going to hear that song anymore. Get out of here. Let's <laughs> Go just, away. let's just Icarus this from space and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. There was oh. a, there was a game called 007 legends and it was the movie tie-in to Skyfall. So the idea was he got shot on the train, fell into, into the water, was drowning, saw his life flash before his eyes. And then each mission, they kind of did like a Daniel Craig stylized version of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, License to Kill, Tomorrow, uh, not to, I wish it was Tomorrow Never Dies, Die Another Day, and Moonraker. Die Another Day, I, I think their version of it, it actually plays out better than the movie, which 
you know, isn't saying a ton, but you know, it, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of works with like that straightforward, you know, Daniel Craig thuggery aspect, you know, and, and that's just using a very crude shorthand, but this movie, you know, really goes like action scene to action scene to action scene to action scene to action scene. And I think it lent itself very well to like that kind of first person shooter video game thing in a way that like even like the really bad editing that, you know, Lee Tamahari brought into it, like the ramping and the really poor slow motion with the ghosting on there. And it just reeks of lack of planning or like, oh, let's put that into slow mo. And it doesn't look good. Who cares? Just echo it. It'll look fine. It'll be, it's stylized, we'll call it, you know? Yeah. But that's a cool game. I, I recommend it if people are, you know, into video games and into James Bond. I, I It was fun. It, it's kind of like a whole, you know, hey, we're doing it like the movie kind of thing. Because you did get to have that punch out with Toby Stevens. And and okay. he, he came back and like did the Voight like new lines and it was his likeness and everything. So check it out. Just buy it on Wii U because you can't play the last mission on any other console anymore because it's downloadable wow. content. The EA doesn't have the license so it's delisted from the store. You you can't get the last mission. They they put it out two weeks before Skyfall came out, and they didn't want to spoil the movie. So the last mission was DLC. Okay. Well, you know, now that it's off the store, you just can't fucking get it. So now you can't play the last mission. But why can you play it on play the last mission on uh, Wii U? Because it came out after the movie, and that's the one they put on disc. Ah. Okay. Yeah, that would, you know, or just give everyone the automatic download once the movie's out. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? I don't know. Ah, uh, well, that's all I got, man. Like, I just uh, watching through this, like, I just wish it was better. I wish it was more grounded. I wish it was more thought out. You know, it's unfortunate because it's like we both really like Pierce Brosnan. But it's a shame that this is his last one, mm -hmm. you know, being kind of like the laughing stock now of uh, Bond movies. It's it's interesting to me that you pointed out that like people were all about this movie when it came out. Fucking like, because yeah, I, this Roger is... Roger Ebert, three out of four stars. Wow, wow, like he just he just doesn't get it, does he? Like. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be like a special type of drama or something for him to be like, yes, this is great. This is when I saw this back in 2002 when I rented it. Even then I was like, uh, that's okay. And I generally liked anything I saw back then, except American Cyborg Steel Warrior. You know, mm -hmm. anything I saw, I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. I didn't really have strong opinions one way or the other, except this one. This other one I was like, that's a big yikes from me. <laughs> so. Well, you were a, a fledgling movie critic and you just didn't realize it. And you're just kind of like crawling out of your face hugger egg. And <laughs> well, I will say that it's, I've always loved watching movies, right? Always. I, I think it's one of the most, or the greatest, one of the greatest art forms that we have at our disposal because we can see so many things that just, can never possibly happen, right? And that's like the joy of watching a movie, you know, or the movies that I like. I don't really like drama movies because 
that's kind of real life. I want to see something that's not going to happen. I want to see shit that's like so crazy. There's no reality that that would ever actually exist in. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about movies. But I will say it's like when you see great movies, it makes you adjust what you thought was great before. So as I kept going on and seeing more and more fantastic movies and then like, wow, the ones I thought I liked were garbage, you know, that's the, that's what I've been through. But even that didn't, that, that mentality didn't save die another day for me. There was, there was something. Not for 2002, (laughs) man, not for 2021, man. No. Well, you know, there's some, uh, good parting thoughts in there and uh i i do like the production design i appreciate the attempt to honor this rich heritage and legacy i i just i wish for better for brosnan Mm -hmm. I, i really did and um he had such a strong start that uh it, it's really too bad those last movies kind of hobble his legacy because, he, you know, even like people were kind of down on. People were really down on Tomorrow Never Dies. And I, I think it's I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I like Goldeneye a lot because of the video game, but I, I, I also like the movie. I wish it was two movies and maybe we should do an episode on that sometime. I'd love to, you know. You've got the first two thirds of it. They're this really interesting post Cold War, you know, kind of political thriller. And then you kind of throw all that away for the I mean, the 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 satellite stuff is kind of a subplot. And then it takes center stage and that like the science fiction stuff kind of feels like a different movie to me. So I, I kind of wish Goldeneye was two different movies because the tone feels a little strange to me. Whereas Tomorrow Never Dies might be a little dumb as like a straightforward action film, a lot of shoot 'em up stuff. But man, like that concept is just so killer. And people were fucking wrong. Like it's not a farce. Like it, it can happen. It did. We just fucking lived it, you know? And yeah. we're still living it. And I just fucking hate every second of it. But um, yeah, you know, world is not enough. Uh, squandered some opportunities die another day has some great things working for it mostly in the first 40 minutes and then you know again it's the tone kind of gets out of control and i just i really wish that those movies didn't fail him and and i think that's just what it comes down to so well should we land this plane as as we have said should we land this vessel we should land the helicopter this spaceship we're trying to start the (laughs) helicopter as it's falling out of (laughs) well Once again, thanks everyone for listening. It's been a pleasure talking about this movie, even though I don't like this movie. But if you can uh, give us a like and a review, a five-star review on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast listening platform that you find us on, that would be great. We'd appreciate it. It gets us out there a little bit more. Um, and you can also follow us on social media at Post Credits Podcast on Facebook and Instagram flawless victory well done (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you in the next show everyone take care